Welcome to another episode of one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, along with Nick Baumgartner. We're recording about what, four hours removed from the Dan Campbell press conference. <laughs> when did that thing end, man? Like, well, it took five hours. hours. <laughs> it's a I few just, hours since it ended. Jeez, uh, I don't know if I just, I've recovered. I just went through the transcript. We just opened the transcript that we, because um, the Lions got it done in, in uh, uh, fast as well, I might add. I thought it was going to take Megan like the entire day. 10,600 words, Chris, is what I counted here on my Google Doc of Dan Campbell talking. 10,600 words of, you know, a guy who had a lot to say, uh, I would say, right? A guy who had a lot to say, very excited to be here, of course, and everything else. It was, uh, that was something, I'll say that. I mean, it would have been interesting in person (laughs) yeah, uh, if if we were able to do that, but that was, that was unique. I will say that. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the longest press conference I've ever been a part of by about, 30 minutes probably he talked his opening statement was i I had it at 19 minutes uninterrupted uninterrupted 19 minutes and he did not run out of stuff to talk about like he he just went like he didn't like i wish people if you didn't see it i guess on youtube and you're listening like maybe i'll tell you to press pause on the podcast go back and watch his 19 minute he just talked there was no he might have had notes or something but he wasn't reading off of a sheet i don't know if he did have notes yeah i mean he just Opened up and went, and it just, and then after 19 minutes straight, he was like, he just goes, uh, Are there any questions? It wasn't even a question. He's not asking if there are any questions. He was like, uh, It was just, I don't know. Well, that, Very interesting. A guy who's obviously excited. So a lot to unpack here. I mean, that opening, the opening statement you mentioned was, I guess, I guess we're calling it that. Yeah. <laughs> even, it was a, like a State of the Union address. Uh, but yeah, I mean, by the time he was done with that, he had talked about. The process of interviewing. He talked mm-hmm. about everyone who'd influenced him since college. Uh, R.C. Right. Slocum, his coach there, talked about his relationship with Sean Payton, um, his overall philosophy. He talked about the relationship with Chris Spielman. I mean, it was mm-hmm. just by the end of it, I literally was wondering if we had. I mean, there still were 15 questions after that, and I didn't know if we were going to have 15 things people needed to ask him because he covered so much of it. But, uh, I don't know. Where do you fall? I mean, I, I wrote about wrote about the press conference, wrote about the mm-hmm. hiring, and I said this probably, and maybe depending on whether you're a Lions fan or not, is going to f- fall somewhere between one of the most like inspirational, like let's go type of deals you've ever heard, and yeah. like this is hokey as hell. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's going to be one or the other. Right? I don't know where you <laughs> land on all of it, but it was definitely interesting. Yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, it's either going to be you're going to look back at this in two years or three years or whatever and say that it was a it was a wise decision to put culture ahead of everything, and you know that will have meant if if it's successful, then it will have meant a couple things. That you know, number one, they were correct in that you know their their thoughts that he could come in, you know, he being Dan Campbell could come in and you know get the locker room to play for him and and buy into what he's selling, and maybe even you know work to attract um, maybe some free agents that might not have, you know, come here otherwise, things like that, you know, and, and maybe your bet on that will have paid off. But also I think it would indicate that, you know, his coordinator hires and his staff hires were terrific because that's really what has to happen here now is that, that the you know, we wrote about that earlier in the week that all of this is going to be contingent on, you know, the play callers he gets on, on both sides of the ball. Obviously Aaron Glenn is, you know, appears he's already in uh, on the defensive side, which is a, you know, big deal, but offensively too, you know, it, you know, he got, he got asked, I mean, he didn't get asked, just went into, that was the other thing about these, this press conferences. He just started 
He just started answering questions before he was even asked them. He just started talking <laughs> yeah. about he started talking about scheme stuff, and it wasn't really about X's and O's. It was more about you know philosophy in terms of you know allowing scouting to sort of dictate you know where you're going and all that sort of thing. But really, at the end of the day, you know his staff's going to have to be great. Uh, he's going to have to be able to back up everything he talks about in terms of being able to go in the locker room and and you you know and get eye to eye with a player and get guys from you know who are going through different things or coming from different, you know, whatever to all sort of pull in the right direction. And that is so much more difficult than, you know, easier said than done, I guess we'll say it that way. But, um, but no, you're right. It's, you know, I wrote this the other day. This is either what you're looking for. If you're the lions, you're, you're, you're hoping that he is John Harbaugh or Mike Vrabel. Um, and you're hoping he's not Rod Marinelli because the, <laughs> those are the, those <laughs> yeah. are the two, you know, that's the deal. It's not going to be in the middle. It's going to be, it's either going to work or it's not. The CEO type hires, you know, because at some point it has to be about, you know, what are you doing? You know, if things aren't going right one way or the other, are you going to be able to pull in the bag and get get the right play call out, you know, the way that an, a guy with coordinating experience might, I don't know. There's all those things that sort of factor into it. But, you know, their plan was very clear, you know, what they were sort of pursuing here with both Brad Holmes and the Dan Campbell hires in terms of, you know, cooperative leadership. Um, putting the team first, all those things. But now you've got to go out and hire a staff. You got to put a program together to make this thing work. And really, again, I, I would say that you know the hiring of Dan Campbell is important. Obviously, he's the head coach. You want the vision of the operation that you're running here to be run by him. But really, to me, again, Chris, Brad Holmes is the most important hire in this whole thing. I mean, if they if he can get players to come in here, then I think this can work. But again, it's going to be contingent on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. We talk about how in the NFL teams usually do these 180s on coaching hires. And most of the time, it's schematic 180s. You know, you Mm -hmm. hire an offensive-minded guy, you go to a defensive-minded guy. As you mentioned, this is a culture 180. And I think it was pretty clear from the start that they wanted to get away from, uh, like, these last three years really just disgusted everyone, I think, the way it played (laughs) out. You know, not just Mm -hmm. the on the field, but just all the stuff. not even counting, you know, after Patricia was hired and the the news of the, the allegations yeah. against him from college days, like just the stuff within the locker room, players leaving and chirping back at Patricia and just all of those things that went on. Uh, and I think that it, it was pretty apparent, as we talked about, that the idea was let's just we need to get this thing in order. We need to get everyone on the same page and. Maybe that helps you win a few more games. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, like you said, there isn't really a – I don't know that there's a gray area on a hire like this. Either mm-hmm. everyone's buying in and it clicks and you stay on this, this right. path or it just doesn't work. You know, his style doesn't work. He can't game plan. The X's and O's aren't there. You're two and six, and he's trying to give these speeches in the locker room like that. Right. And guys right. are just like, what are we – you know, come on. We can't. This doesn't your mean anything. enthusiasm only goes as far as your organization will allow it to go, and and that's the right. ultimate thing in football. We see it all the time with coaches who kind of are cut from this cloth, and that sometimes it does work, and and sometimes it doesn't, and a lot of times I would say maybe it doesn't because there's nothing else there, and, and this is really the thing. Now we're going to see if if there's more there. Um, you know, we're going to see what his staff looks like in terms of you know. First tire seems pretty good. You know, he's able to beat out what well, I think yeah. it was the Bears and um Jackson and uh, and the Jags, which, you know, Urban Meyer normally gets what Urban Meyer wants. So to me, that's that was interesting. I thought that was impressive, but again, it's going to depend on you know, all those things, you know, agree, you know, working with Brad Holmes, uh, you know, in terms of 
you know, what you think that will fit on your team, what won't fit on your team, you know, being maybe less rigid in certain things, in certain areas, being more transparent, um, all those things, right? And I think that that's what you're looking for, obviously, with a hire like this. But yeah, there are there are questions. I mean, there's a lot of them. And, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be up to him to sort of prove it. Yeah, the transparency thing. I know it's day one with Campbell. We only talked to Holmes yeah. once. But man, and if this even like a, a little bit of this carries over. I mean, Dan Campbell came out and talked about it's like, well, what if we move DeAndre Swift to the slot and we get sure. matched up against a, a Will linebacker? And it's just like whoa wow are yeah, we, right. <laughs> what yeah. and then they you know somebody asked him and brad holmes said something similar too you know what do you think about this team and it was you know we're retooling we don't think we're that far away but this defense is kind of a disaster yeah, <laughs> you know right. no one said, yeah, right. i think it was i'm more excited about i'm excited about more pieces offensively than defensively or something like that was the actual quote but you know we got the idea we got the picture yeah i think today was like it was important for the Lions, and again, a press conference is for the fans, I think. The, the introductory, I mean, I've done a few of these now over the years. They're, the introductory, the first time out, for the head, it's for the fans. It's for the fan, It's for your customers, right, if you're the Lions. And I think they needed today to be, a, you know, an opportunity for a head coach to come in and sort of, like we've talked about this a lot, Chris, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn wanted nothing to do with the Lions' past, right. uh, at least in a public setting. They they wanted they did not want to be attached to it. They did not want to talk about it. They didn't want to embrace it. Um, and I think today was about you know getting somebody up there that was going to talk to, you know, he said it. I mean, this place has been what do you say, battered, beaten up, bruised, whatever. It's real. That's real. That's how Lions fans feel. We talk to them all the time, and they always come back. They're very loyal people. They get frustrated. They get upset, disgusted. Uh, like you said, was was a great word. And I think today was as much about anything. It was getting somebody up there that was going to sort of tell them, like, I know what you're going, I know what you're feeling. You know, I know that this sucks and we're really going to try to sort of take all those lessons and use them as lessons and use them, you know, things that were, that have been problems for us before. We're not going to run away from that. And we're going to try to, you know, just acknowledge what it is, move forward together and see what we can do. And I think that that was important. I think that, you know, you saw the reaction from a lot of Lions fans. They seemed excited. I mean, I think that that's an under, it's not a huge deal. It's not going to win you any games, but I think right now, based on where, you know, where your fan base was and what they had to go through the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, my God, brutal. Like last year was like all of 2020, you know, aside all the COVID stuff, just talk about the football season. What were they supposed to be excited about at all last year, right? So I think today, today was a was a big a big moment for them to maybe re-energize some people, and uh, if nothing else, I think that that was probably accomplished. And now the job gets even more <laughs> difficult. So we'll see. But I, I do think in this case, and I don't think it's the case. This is true all the time. But in this case, the Lions put their fans through some pretty bad stuff that didn't need to happen the last three years, and. They took this serious, as we've talked about, uh, and I think today, you know, was an opportunity for them to to sort of, you know, get that olive branch out there and be like, look, we're we're trying, you know, we're we're trying to get this thing fixed. We know we made some mistakes, and we're trying to go forward, and you know, you'll see what happens. And, and there's kind of a fine line uh, in terms of the history stuff because obviously it's a franchise that's been mm-hmm. around for a very, very long time. You know, back to the start of the NFL and had some success in the pre-Super Bowl era, but. When you're talking about, you know, let's dip back into the culture, let's dip back into the history, and this is something I keep hearing from people too. You're just saying, why would you want to reestablish the yeah. culture that has won one playoff game? But I think that, 
I think you're right. I, I mean, I think there is a fine line between, you know, you don't want to lean on the bad parts of this history, but as we know, I mean, both covering this team and just living in this area for, you know, growing up in this Mm -hmm. area, living in this area, the mentality, like that Detroit versus everybody thing is, that's a real way people feel about it. And Mm -hmm. especially about this football team, they feel like this football team just gets disrespected. Even when it's decent, they feel like the refs are out to get them. The league's out to get them. And if you just completely ignore that, like you said, I think I don't think Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia from day one, I don't think Matt Patricia really ever embraced what he had in this fan base and what he had in the people who are willing to rally around this team. Um, and so if nothing else, you've accomplished that by hiring Dan Campbell yep. and sort of bringing it back in. And again, I think that that starts with kind of repairing the locker room and if worst case scenario the roster is still garbage in week yeah. one you know at least that you're gonna have 53 guys run out there leave it all on the line and the fans assuming hopefully some of her in the building are yeah. gonna go nuts watching them run around the field and that that's a start and then you kind of figure it out from there and I do think there were some other interesting things about his relationship with Holmes and about you know, you mentioned he brought up the scheme stuff a little bit. It's sort of been overlooked because he's gone viral for saying he wants to take out kneecaps yeah, uh, right. opponents. But uh, <laughs> I, I do think, it again, it was pretty clear this whole hiring process. First and foremost, they wanted to focus on character. They wanted to focus on leadership. And, uh, I mean. I think that <laughs> you, you have to. Yeah. And I think that. A guy, and again, it's the, it's the opposites, right? It's like they obviously were looking for the opposite of Matt Patricia. And I think that a guy like this, but but also, you know, someone who could maintain, you know, Patricia was about, you know, hard-nosed football. That was his brand of football. And I don't know how much different it would be in this sense, too. I think that, you know, Dan Campbell will probably tell you the same thing, but it may be in a different way. It'll look different, uh, maybe more efficient in some ways. We'll see. But ultimately, I think for players, you you know, if you're going to ask a guy to like run through a wall for you uh, and do it at like a violent level and, you know, I, I can't, I don't have time for your excuses. I don't have time for this, that, and the other. And you're not coming from a place of like shared experience at all, then it your message is going to fall just deaf. And I think that that was Patricia's problem a lot of times. And we saw this sometimes too. I thought I, for me, I don't, I, I don't, I have no idea. I can't speak for anybody else. But when I, when we saw after that Green Bay game last year, when, you know, they got screwed. I mean, they got yeah. screwed out of a yep. game, something that's happened before. And, you know, for three days, we watched Patricia just like be like, whatever, it is what it is. And his team at that time was right on the line of either this is going to turn in your favor or this is the bottom is going to fall out and it's going to be a disaster. And we know what happened, but I, I always go back to that in my head and I can't help but think like if you had a coach in that situation that was willing to go to the mat for his guys and be like, no, this was bullshit. And we got screwed and I don't care if I get fined or whatever else. I don't know what that would have done, but I feel like in those little moments, like having someone that you know is going to be there for you in any setting, I think that in a locker room that just is going to go so much further than what it does in the other way. And I understood why Patricia, I understood why he approached that the way he did, but I still think that, you know, being able to take the temperature of your team Every day, at all times of day, and just being able to walk into a room and know, you know, where your locker room is, like, I feel like, based on everything we've heard and read about Dan Campbell, that's like his specialty. That's his expertise. And that is 
no that in no way was Matt Patricia's expertise. It was the opposite of it. He could, he had no ability to do that. And I think that if you can do that, you give yourself a chance. And and the rest of it, you know, you're going to have to execute in terms of organization with your plans and everything else. But you know, being able to walk into a room and know what that room's feeling, you know, is a big big deal. And you know, it seems like they have that back now, which is I think super important. Yeah, and I I think. Um... You know, it, as I said, it was also interesting to hear him sort of talk about scheme. And the one part when he, he was talking about coordinator, potential offensive coordinator hires right. specifically, and I'm 100% certain he didn't mean it this to come across uh, as like a shot on Matt Patricia or anything, but it right. sounded like, you know, he said, I'm trying to find the quote now. There's, like you said, there's 10,000 10, yeah, words, words of this, so it might take me a second, but... Um, you know, he got asked about, uh, what type of coordinator he wants to bring in. Um, and he said, you know, are you going to put, get us to a spot where you can get our best players up against the opponent's worst worst players? I don't care what you call your scheme. I don't care what your terminology is. Are you going to be able to do that? Because that's the type of guy that I'm looking at. If you're going to be a guy who says, this is what we run. Mm -hmm. We're not changing it. The guys are going to be where they are. I don't want that. That's what he said. Um, right. And that's again, the offense the not necessarily was the case, <laughs> right. for, but the defense, right. that was a huge part of the problem in the Matt right. Patricia era was this is the scheme. These are the guys. We're going to make it work. And mm-hmm. it never worked. <laughs> and yeah. so now you have at least a guy who's willing to look at this and say, who are my best players? Uh, what do they do best? That was the other thing you mentioned. Do we have a cornerback who's great at blitzing? Then let. why would we not use him as a blitzer? And I think some of this stuff is just refreshing to hear uh, like at a baseline level compared to what we saw from Matt Patricia. Again, does it translate to Sunday? Can he pull off these yes, these things right. when, when it matters? I, I have no idea, but it's refreshing to hear him thinking about those things because I don't know that the previous regime really did, especially on defense. This feels to me like the only way to approach coaching football in 2021, 2020, whatever you want to call it. Like, it has to be dictated on what your roster can and can't do. It has to be dictated on where are we better than they are and where are they better than we are in in the moment every day. It cannot be my scheme is better than everything else in this equation and that's what we're going to do. And that's... That's the Belichick Saban method of, of of coaching in a lot of ways, and I know that you know it's it's different for Saban in college because because Alabama just has 107 NFL draft picks on their team every year, but that's Belichick. <laughs> that's how right. he coaches, yeah. and that was Patricia. It was like I know more about this than you. I'm always going to know more about this than you. I'm going to come here and teach all of you, all 53 of you, how to play football because until I walked in the room, none of you knew how to play. That was sort of his approach. And, I mean, that's just not going to work. So in this situation, and, and Campbell said it, I mean, you know, he, uh, the Saints offense isn't re- as reductive as how he put it, but it, in, in a lot of ways it's not wrong And that, you know, he, he kind of said, he was like, Sean Payton's offense revolves around whatever your weakness is in relation to whatever he believes his strengths and advantages are. It's, it's a lot of scouting. It's a lot of advanced work. And that's how game planning is done. And that's how adjustments are done. And this staff previously didn't make nearly enough. This one, it seems, at least in theory, is set up to where if, you know, if Brad Holmes can sort of, you know, 
succession plans, I believe is the phrase he uses in terms of, you know, keeping your roster stocked with, you know, young talent, uh, replacing exiting talent with equal or greater, you know, that whole thing. If you can, if you can pull that off and if Dan Campbell can sort of maintain that, you know, CEO level, you can adjust and adapt and sort of evolve what you do as a team, as your team changes. And I think that's really, really important. And I think it's hard to do that. But I think it's really important. I think we see that from maybe the best teams in the league year over year is they just sort of, they change their scheme without you even really knowing it. You know what I mean? Like they just adjust or adapt and it's because their roster's changed and they have the ability because they have a core to sort of riff on that and go with it. And they don't have to restart everything every three years like a lot of these other teams do. And I think that that is your pie in the sky hope for a Dan Campbell hire with, you know, somebody like Brad Holmes. And I guess we'll see if it uh, clicks out. Yeah, and as you mentioned, there were there were some things that even after a twenty minute opening statement and deep into this press conference, there were still some things that it seemed like he wanted to make sure he hit on. And one of those that he brought up was this he called it a preconceived notion that he was like because he was a you know, a blocking tight end, he played yeah. for Parcells and you know, played in these run heavy systems back way back when and um has this obviously this you know, personality where he would like a whatever i don't know you know how to describe like a viking like a i think i called him a ford truck come to life in the story Uh, wrestler Uh, uh, wrestler, yeah yeah. that was a 19 Um, minute wrestling promo for all my pro wrestling fans out there uh so he he said he wanted to sort of disavow this preconceived notion that he was just this old school guy who was going to come in and and put in this three yards in a cloud of dust offense Mm -hmm. um and again i don't know if that holds up but he said you know, if you tell me we need to run it 10 times in a row to open the game so that we can throw it, guess what? We're going to run it yeah. 10 times. If you tell me that our X receiver cannot be stopped and they're not rolling to him at all and he can catch and run, we're going to do that 10 times. And so I think, again, it's just – it almost sounds uh, – you, you, I think you said reductive in the Saints offense. Mm-hmm. Like it almost sounds – too easy but sometimes that's the case with like i think sometimes coaches and this happens at the gm level too like you can simplify this game sometimes more than you yes you think about it and so sometimes you can just do that you know are they covering kenny galladay with a fourth cornerback who's not gonna be able to stay with him all right well let's just keep feeding it to him i think that goes up to brad holmes too and that's some of the philosophy he was explaining like, yeah, we can look at all these numbers, but if I watch the tape and this guy's making huge plays all the time, isn't that what you want? I don't care what he right. runs in the 40. <laughs> so I think that that there's something refreshing about that too, is just that maybe they're saying this doesn't have to be the most complex system in the world. And we talked about during the season that every single year the Lions were here, Matt, or Matt Patricia was here. He went through in the offseason and said, this is what I want. I want to run this. I want to run this coverage. Yeah. And by like week five every year, he was stripping things away because guys weren't running it the way he wanted no, to run yeah. it. Maybe you don't need to go to the end of the line on all this stuff right away. Yeah, I, I think that you nailed it because that's <clears throat> that's the whole thing. Your offense is your offense, but I mean, like ultimately, you're as good as your <laughs> you're as good as you've scouted your opponent. You're as good as you're able to manage situations in games. That's football and. And, and, you know, with the way the game is set up right now, it is all matchups. That's all. We see it every single week. We saw it every time a team would come in to play play Patricia's defense. They would point and say, we saw it countless times. Well, there's Tavai. Forget what we just called. We're going to go at him right now. That's what what you do in this game. And what they were trying to do previously was 
just wait until we get this system installed. Boy, you're going to see. No, like nobody cares. Are you going to win or not? <laughs> like this is a, this is a win now league. This is a win win the day league. This is a you know we're trying to win games. Like that's the message I think right now that that was brought down this week from the Lions and you know Brad Holmes started that with I'm trying to find the best players I can find uh, in every area in every corner no matter what. I'm not I'm going to be objective in how I look at it. I'm not going to get nitpicky on any of this stuff that makes no sense to do that. I'm going to use analytics. I saw an inter- I think it was um something he said in an interview with Brad Holmes now uh, maybe with the Lions website where they asked him about analytics and he was like and it was just such a simple answer that you never hear from anybody, but it was it made a lot of sense. And he said, you know, you can go around as a scout and you can talk to a lot of people. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but, you know, you can talk to a lot of people. You can get information. Everybody wants the best information. You know, he's like, I can go into a football building at a college and talk to every coach in there. Uh, do I know that that information that they're giving me is accurate? I don't know. But I know that this analytical <laughs> right. data that I'm staring at is factual. It's facts. I'm going to use facts whenever they're there. And I think that what we heard a lot from Dan Campbell today was that, you know, his beliefs uh, on a, a lot of that stuff is in concert with Brad Holmes. That, they, you know, they talked last night into the middle of the night about a lot of stuff. They disagreed on some stuff, which was healthy, all that sort of thing. Uh, it seems like a much more logical working partnership than, you know, what we've seen here in, in the previous three years, which just didn't make any sense logically at all. Uh, and, you know, they never answer any questions about anything, which led you to speculate, you know, all these types of things, too. So I just think it'll be more logical. You'll know where they're going with things um, and it'll make more sense. I think it's so far anyway, that's what it sounds like. So what what's your read on that situation? Because obviously, as you you know, as you said, the Brad Holmes hires in a lot of ways probably going to be more important than the Dan Campbell hire. Yeah, uh, it sounds like from what they've told us, you know, Brad Holmes was kind of looped in to the end of this process. Uh, Rod Wood. Uh, said that they, as they were talking to GM candidates, they asked them for names of potential head coaches and, and vice versa. And Dan Campbell's name kept coming up. They looped in Brad Holmes at the end. He interviewed. Mm-hmm. They said multiple guys. They didn't specify who the guy who he talked to beyond Dan Campbell. But he at least interviewed Dan Campbell. Right. Uh, you just brought up that they said they talked uh, last night about you know sort of just getting rolling a little bit on their visions and what this roster is going to look like. How tough is this going to be to make sure that this kind of comes together? Because, I, you know, I, again, they went for kind of personality and character. I think they really liked what the Rams were doing from mm-hmm. that draft scouting perspective especially. But how tough is it to bring in a GM from one search and a head coach from another search you've had running simultaneously and kind of fuse it all together and think it's going to work? Yeah, it's an interesting experiment, right? Because it's like we don't see this very often. A lot of times we see, you know, the GM comes in and then the GM picks the person that he's either worked with before or knows, you know, based on, you know, relationships with someone else or whatever. And in this case, we heard from Dan Campbell today talking about how, you know, he spent a lot of time vetting uh, Brad Holmes, you know, by himself. Uh, And I assume Brad Holmes did the same thing. And obviously they've talked and everything else. And Brad Holmes was part of the back end, like you said. But it is interesting and it is you know, I, I kind of look at this as an experiment uh, in some ways. It's it, it's a, you know, I you can't you can't say that it's not a gamble because I think it is. I mean, you know, Brad Holmes has never done this before. Dan Dan Campbell's never done this before. Um, I don't think it's a crazy like out of control gamble. Uh, controlled gamble maybe would be the word I would use because I think that what you do have ultimately is, you know, in Brad Holmes you have a proven eye for talent, I think, if nothing else. I mean, he's, he's proven over seven, eight years that, you know, his ability to identify good college talent 
seems to hold up. We'll see if, you know, we'll see how much other people had, you know, an impact in that process as it goes forward. But, you know, that seems to be a really nice thing to fall back on. And the collaborative, you know, approach is a great idea and a nice idea that oftentimes gets really complicated by ego and everything else that we see in football. And I just, it's really difficult to for for us to sit here and believe that it's going to be an egoless process because I think yeah. that we know we know football people we know how this kind of works, um, but you know I'm, I'm willing to give it to see what happens I I think and I think that you know reading some stuff and listening to to people talk about you know you know the culture Brad Holmes was in it with the Rams I I'm inclined to believe that it can work uh, you just have to have the right people in place to do it and I think that was the big thing here is that they wanted to make sure. They were hiring as close to you as close as possible to selfless people that weren't coming here to, you know, prove their personal vision for how football should be played or organized or structured. They were coming here to win. You know, they're coming here for a chance to prove that they're winners. And I think that that ultimately is what you want when you're hiring jobs like this. You're not hiring. You know, you know, uh, when you hire egos, you know, everyone's got one. But if you're hiring one on top of everything else, it's going to get more complicated. And and I think that that uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of ego happening here uh, at the moment. I think that that we could have said that to you before even this started. I mean, the minute Chris Spielman gets involved, that that's probably going to be sort of how this goes. And this, to me, feels like a very Spielman-ish program, both listening to Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. And we'll sort of see how it all ties together. Yeah, 100%. And I, I mean, and he did talk. Brad Holmes, obviously, as we said, came from an, L, an L.A. program that uh, does sound like it really looped in. Yeah, I mean, he talked about how he was involved on the pro scouting side, even though he was the college scouting director, and they went to him for personnel decisions. And it's, you know, Dan Campbell mentioned something similar with how uh, Mickey Loomis, the Saints GM, worked with Sean Payton, and then how Sean Payton, in turn, would kind of take it, take opinions from everyone below him, and everyone just knew that it was uh, kind of an open-door policy that eventually someone was going to have to draw a line in the sand, yeah, and that would right. be Peyton or Mickey Loomis. But if you had something to say, you could come say it without fear of getting tossed right. out uh, the next day. So I think that there is probably something to be said. I mean, at that point, Campbell also went into a uh, off on a tangent about uh, wanting to galvanize the entire city and how he, if he sees you would a subway he might pull out his phone and ask you what you think of the new coach like there, were, there were some moments where i wasn't sure where yeah. we were headed yeah in that press conference. but um again i think if this if this works even like even to the point where they're in contention a little bit uh, people yeah. are just going to be so fired up because dan campbell i, I mean from everything Everything you read about or have heard about his playing career, his coaching career, same as Brad Holmes. This isn't a show he put on for the introduction. No, no. Like this is the guy. And then he started the first thing he said at the start of that press conference was, I'll try to stay on camera, <laughs> yeah. but I might start wandering around a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he was doing the thing where he ducks. You notice that where he like I've seen this in pictures before because he's so tall. That he like bobs up and down with his knees to like bend his knees while he's standing there. Yeah, insane. Talk about drinking a pot of coffee before the whole <laughs> thing starts. Like it was genuine. That's a great point because this wasn't from note cards or anything else. They wound him up, walked him in there, and said, "Have at it." And he just talked for twenty five minutes without you know taking a breath. And I think that that shows you sort of what his impact was in those interviews. It's easy to see why they were attracted to that. It's certainly easy to see why Spielman was. And it's certainly easy to see why you could call most people who played 
uh, on a team where he was a coach or a teammate, and they would all tell you that you know he's an he's a by example leader. Um, he's a we're in this together type leader, and those are the only leaders. There is no other leader. I mean, there's not there there is no like you know his description of leadership. I thought was interesting today when he said. You know, somebody asked him maybe something about that, or maybe he just started talking about it. I don't, I don't remember, but like it was the right. whole like you know thing about you know he was talking about when he was a younger player or younger person, and leadership to him meant you know when something happens you know that maybe didn't sit right with him, he would get you know the feeling on the back of your neck or the you know your, your body'd heat up, and he would get the thing in his head telling him you know say something, say something, say something, and eventually you just say it, and that's being a leader. And I thought that was interesting, and I think that that's what a genuine leader does, someone who's sort of more concerned with the issues of everyone around him and, and how they're kind of getting along than they are themselves. And and that seems to be the book on Dan Campbell. So, you know, unless we see something different, that seems to be what it is. And I have no reason to doubt that that's genuine. So a couple more things I wanted to get into here. And one is just at the start of this process, I think... The general consensus was that the Lions wanted to have some sort of experience somewhere in one of these hires. Uh, Brad Holmes, college scouting director, first-time GM. Dan Campbell uh, had the 12-game interim stretch in Miami. He talked about how he thinks that experience really counted for something because he he wasn't prepared for it at the time. He made some mistakes. He thinks he can eliminate some of those. But, you know, that's a 12-game stretch where he's taking over a team that was already in season, you know, right, he, he didn't do any of the off season stuff. Like mm-hmm. that, that's not what he's doing now. Uh, Aaron Glenn, uh, it sounds like he's the defensive coordinator now, certainly an up and coming name, uh, a guy who maybe is on a head coaching track in the very near future himself. Yeah. Um, could be very good at that job, but wasn't a coordinator. <laughs> so, right. And now we don't know what the offensive coordinator spot's going to look like, but it sounds like they've interviewed a couple inexperienced guys there too. So, I don't know. Do you need to bridge that gap somewhere? Is that a problem if they end up with two new coordinators and a first-time full-time head coach and a new GM? I would I would say it depends maybe on the person. Like Aaron Glenn is a great example, right? Because he played in the NFL for a long, long time. He was one of the best corners in football at one point. Um, like, you know, he knows football. I'm not I'm not you know, he's been with he's been in coaching now in the NFL for close to a decade. In that sense, um, I don't. I think that he's someone who you can get away with. Okay, well, he hasn't called plays before, but you know, I mean, there's nothing he hasn't seen in a football game, right? So, in in that sense, I think I'd be more inclined to say you're okay, maybe getting around that because I think he's kind of set up for that. He's just a. I think a guy like that would be like a natural fit in those situations. But offensively, yeah, I do wonder if even if it's not. You know, if you if you hire a younger play caller, let's say, or an inexperienced coordinator, I do wonder if it'd be beneficial to, you know, sort of seek out uh, best you can. You know, maybe some some older guys or more seasoned people in you know position coach roles that can maybe help with that planning. Because again, if this is going to be collaborative, you know, this is going to be the Lions' show. It's not going to be the offensive coordinator's show or the defensive coordinator's show or whatever. In that sense, I do. I think you have opportunities throughout the rest of your staff to maybe address those types of things. I don't know if it necessarily has to be the coordinator. Like if it's a younger coordinator who's got a lot of really good ideas and you want that person to sort of have room to grow and experiment, then I think that's pretty cool. But if you have a backstop there, you know, with that person, then I think that could really, really help 
out a lot. So we'll see. I'm interested to see what he does with all the position coaches, all the all the all the staffers, not just the coordinators, but sort of you know who fits into all those other boats and how do they work with the coordinators, sort of in concert? Because that's a great question. Like, you know, I don't know. I mean, we didn't really get an answer, did we? I mean, what's what's he going to run? I I don't know. I mean, you know, that's yeah. that's a great question. And I again, I think it would have to be dependent on. Stafford, you know, if he's back and, you know, I know he was, he asked, he got asked about Stafford a few times today. I don't know how much he talked about it. I think he kind of walked around that a few times. He did say, did he say something? He said he was tough, I think, right? He I said, assume. Uh, yeah, again, here, give me one second to see if I can find I feel like that was one of the only things uh, he didn't get too deep into. Was, yeah, he didn't really, I mean, he said it was way too early to talk about drafting a quarterback or, or what the dynamic would be with a young quarterback and a veteran quarterback. And then he t- said about Stafford, he still needs to talk to Brad Holmes uh, yeah. about the roster. And he said, here's what I'll say about Matthew. Here's there what it is. I'll yeah. say about Matthew. He's a stud. He's a stud, all right? He's one of the toughest quarterbacks you'll ever see. He's extremely talented. I know he's a team guy. And listen, I know he wants to win, and so I'll leave it at that, Yeah. Uh, end quote. So, uh, again, and I tweeted this out. Like, if you're talking about um, – you know, character and work ethic and all these things. I don't know that you're going to improve on what you have in Matthew right. Stafford beyond all the talent questions. Uh, and he was also there, that was one of the other interesting questions. He was asked. It might have been the last one or next to last question mm-hmm. about just whether you need a great quarterback to win in this league. Um, and his answer was. Uh, he started to answer no, and you're kind of like, oh, all right. And then he yeah. said, well, no, but if you don't have that guy how are you winning basically <laughs> like who right. how good is your team around an average quarterback right. you basically have to make sure the rest of that roster is great uh to make up for what you don't have at quarterback because it's a passing league and it's a lot easier to win if you have an exceptional quarterback so i, I don't know if you're reading the tea leaves it felt to me more like they build around stafford but uh, again I, they're day one of the process they didn't know each other before yeah. Campbell and Holmes before this so I think we're probably a ways away from our answer without knowing what do you think what's your sort of I mean obviously we don't know what you know Matthew probably watched obviously surely he watched all this and has talked with Dan Campbell I'm sure today whatever I don't know how, how their conversation what do you think his reaction maybe would be to something like this for me it feels like he's probably still going to need to hear from whoever the coordinator is and Dan Campbell about what do you want to do here? Like, cause I still think that that's gotta be a piece in this, right? Like they've got to go talk to him and kind of be like, what do you, what do you want to do? Because if you want to be here, I think that their answer would be, then we want you to be here with us. That's what it seems to be anyway, to me, I could be wrong, but so what's your read on what we've heard from, I mean, they've talked around this issue so many times, you know, Brad Holmes talked around a little bit too, all this stuff. What do you, what's your read on, what do you think Stafford maybe would need to hear or would he even, you know, I don't know. I mean, what's your read on the whole Stafford situation at this point? Yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. I don't know that they'll put it entirely, you know, in his court. But I, I do think that it, it's something that where they'll need to have a conversation with yeah. him. I think you're right. I think it needs to see what the offensive coordinator is going to be. You need to see, like, is he coming back with uh, Quintez Cephas, Mohamed Sanu, like Danny Amendola again, <laughs> like what's the wide receiver core going to look like? I mean, I think there's a lot of questions about what this offense is going to be and what this overall picture is going to be um, moving forward. But it, just in terms of, uh, you know, the types of stuff about galvanizing the locker room and bringing everyone together, I mean, all those things, uh, like I said, certainly play into Matthew Stafford's persona. And so if mm-hmm. if he feels like there's even a chance this might work, uh, right. 
maybe maybe you can have him stick around. And I, I you know, I don't know how much he listens to his his friends outside and everything, but like we know, a guy like uh, Dan Orlovsky loves Dan Campbell, right. and Chris Spielman yeah. is certainly going to love Dan Campbell. And so, the more football people he talks to. Uh, the better feel for this he might get. Um, and, I just, yeah, it I mean, feels different. Yeah. Like if let's say this, like if Patricia, let let's say the Lions were in the same exact situation right now, but somebody like Patricia was hired and came in. <laughs> Do you think Stafford would have been like, I'm I'm here for it, or I'm out of here? And like, would somebody like a Dan? Yeah, that's my question. I guess at the end of the day, I, I, and that's the one thing we don't know because I feel like if they if they made a a hire like Patricia again, that was kind of like a, oh, well, see how this goes. I feel like Stafford would go to him and be like, just get me out of here. Like, I, but in this case, you <laughs> this know, one, I, I, yeah. I, I wonder if maybe that would, maybe that would work in their favor and that you're, you're, you're at least going to give him a head coach that knows what it's like to go through all the things that they have to go through. Who's going to like, and he said it somewhere in there. I'm not going to ask any player to do anything that I haven't done myself or, you know, that kind of, I think that's important. And I feel like for a guy like Stafford at this point in his career, you know, because we've talked so many times about all the injuries, all the stuff he's played through, all the things that he's, I feel like that's got to be somewhat of a factor, although winning is certainly probably the ultimate factor in his whole right. situation. Yeah, I, I don't think this hurt the chances yeah, of right. Matthew Stafford Good coming back. Uh, and certainly, like, again, to, to say, how do we get our best players up against their worst players? Like, that to me is something that a quarterback would want to hear. Yeah, I mean, I I, I'm so sure too. some of that, you know, to some extent, there's always going to be a, a feeling out process when you bring in a new coordinator and some adjustments to be made. You know, they had uh, Joe Lombardi was in here as offensive coordinator who's been with the Saints. And I think Campbell mentioned him as one of the people, you know, like that he thanked and learned a lot from over the past few years because he, he's back in that New Orleans system. And that one didn't work quite as well with Stafford. So, you know, maybe he doesn't want to be in an offense that looks like that or that asks him to, you know, throw three yard outs all the time and just mm-hmm. get the ball out of his hands. Maybe he, he needs to see what this offensive coordinator is going to be, but I, I would think that the overall, you know, the overall picture painted here by, by Dan Campbell's press conference would appeal to most of the players. I, would, all yeah. of the, I mean, if, if they're, if you listen to that press conference as a Lions player, like that's, that's not for me. I mean, it's, they're probably going to figure it out and get ready anyway, yeah. right? I, I, yeah, I would think that there's something like that, that approach to we're going to be smart. We're just going to be smart. We're going to take advantage of our best stuff. I think that that would be sort of music to somebody like Stafford's ears. I mean, like, the thing you said earlier about, you know, the comment he made about, you know, run the ball 10 times or whatever in a row. I, I almost felt like when he was saying that, he was talking about the Saints-Lions game because, like, <laughs> he was talking about yeah. if they're, if the defense isn't going to react – to what we're doing to them. And if we're kicking their ass and they're not reacting, we're going to continue to do that. Like, And if you go back and watch the Saints-Lions game, they just ran the ball down their throats the whole game because Patricia never adjusted and they ran them out of the building. Like, That's what he's talking about. And I think that that should be a welcome change, I would think, for most. And it seemed like the Lions got back to some of that a little bit you know, in the end there with Bevel and he kind of opened things up a little bit. And that was, you know, what they were talking about. But I, I would think that this would be in some ways an extension of that, maybe just cranked up a lot hotter and we'll see, you know, sort of what the style is. But I, I would think that this, you know, you know, he said it, I'm not a system guy. I'm, I'm trying to win games. And I think that uh, that, depending on your hires, I think that can work. But again, you're going to have to nail the hire. You're just going to have to have really smart coaches. I think that that's the, 
they can't miss. They're not going to have. They're not going to be able to afford, you know, having a couple holes there or a guy who just isn't cutting it or whatever else. I mean, it's got to be good across the board. And you know, Brad Holmes said it earlier in the week too, and it, it should be said again. Their entire staff has to be, you know, development sound and capable because this is going to be a this is going to be a young team uh, pretty quickly. I would I would think once they can get some of these guys off the books and start rebuilding through the draft. You're going to be a younger team, and you're going to have to rely on development and all that sort of thing too. So, um, going to be interesting to see how it all fills out. Yeah, and you can't. I, I think you need to hire people who are going to be thinking the same way, which I, I'm yeah. sure they clearly will. But you know, Aaron Glenn, if they're bringing over that New Orleans system, I mean, maybe you're looking at more of a four-three. But I don't think you can just like this can't be a Paul Pascaloni situation yeah. where you're just here's what we're going to like. Like Campbell said, here's what we're going to run. That's it. Figure it out. <laughs> Uh, you know, right. like you're going to have to adjust something right. somewhere at some point based on your personnel. And I think the same thing uh, offensively. Um, I, I Just the last thing real quick here before um, we wrap up this episode uh, and just want to remind people to go subscribe, rate, review us, uh, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple. Um, all of it. All of it. I guess <laughs> I, I uh, tweeted out, I guess I should say thanks. We uh, cracked like, what was it, the top 50 or whatever, or top 60. In, oh, yeah. Uh, in uh, Sweden, Sweden for American Football Podcast. All our Stockholm friends. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, Sweden, uh, Sweden's <laughs> always been, been pretty good to uh, the Detroit sports for some <laughs> culture reason. Yeah, over right. the years. So I guess at least in hockey. So maybe yeah. we can move it over. But uh, <laughs> just want to say definitely thanks to everyone who has listened, uh, especially if you're uh, right. going out of your way across the pond to find us. But. Uh, <laughs> So last thing, because it's going to be a big talking point now in the next two months, especially three months, and it was asked of both both these guys, they use the word retooling, they wouldn't use the word rebuild. Right, you know, Dan yeah. Campbell said, I don't know, it might have been in the, I don't even know if it was in the press conference or in his interview with uh, the Lions website before, but he said, you know, I don't think we're as far away maybe as, as people think we are, or doesn't uh, this isn't as bad as people seem to think it is. Um where are we? Where is this yeah. franchise right now? Like, is this a four-year? Then this plays into the Stafford question too, quite a bit. But is it, you know, is this a four-year, three, four-year thing, or is do is it realistic in any way to think that this has a one-year turnaround window? Yeah, that's no. I don't think that that would be a lot. I, I feel like that would be a huge ask. And again, what we've talked about, you know, there's so much work to do on the defensive side. Like the defense has to be rebuilt. I mean, there's no. You can say retool if you want and clean up as you go or whatever, but you're going to be cleaning up a lot really quick. So like that's that's kind of a rebuild. The offense and Dan Campbell said it, you know, about you know, if I'm just being honest, there's more pieces on offense right now with this team that excite me than on the defensive side, which is reality. And I think that what could happen like their best case scenario would be they make the right adjustments on the offensive side, uh, which would include, you know, getting Galladay signed, um, you know, getting Stafford back, uh, maybe making one more tweak on the offensive line uh, if you can, um, probably finding a little bit more speed to go along with Swift and, you know, a couple tweaks here and there. And your offense, I think, is really close to being something that can carry you through games against maybe, you know, lower level teams, but the defense is just going to be bad. I, I It's just going to be bad. And I think that they're going to have to coach sort of around that with that in mind. And that was the thing that we talked about so many times with Patricia, and he was just never going to swallow his pride, where it was like the offense is really close. If you just leaned into that, 
and really, you know, let those guys kind of do their thing and let them dictate the game and not the other way around, you might surprise yourself and accidentally go nine and seven or something, and maybe you get in the playoffs. But like, that's that's the way it's going to have to be. The offense is going to have to be one of the best in the league, and you're just going to have to get around the holes because I think that defensively, I mean, realistically, Chris, I don't know. I mean, what do we? It's going to take, I would think, at least two years to get them back to something to where you can say that they're, you know, toward the middle of the pack or maybe the top third or something. I just, it, there's a lot there that needs to be fixed and there's not a lot right now that we can look at and say that's certainly a guy defensively. I don't know how many there are, maybe a couple, two or three. That's certainly a guy that's going to be in your future and he's going to be a good player for you. You just don't know that with a lot of those guys because a lot of them haven't proved it. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this too goes back to, um, what we talked about, you know, putting guys in the right position to succeed, which is something we talked about a lot through the year, did not happen with yeah. this <laughs> the Matt Patricia uh, era. And then, um, you know, also just waiting to kind of see what this is going to look like. Again, if if Aaron Glenn's completely shifting the face of this, mm-hmm. uh, I think there are some pieces that work. I think there are some pieces that can move over to a totally different scheme. Um, yeah. Anytime you do this, you're going to have – uh, big changes. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there is a possibility that, like, just not asking guys to do things they're not capable of, and then like really right. having everyone on the same page can go a, not all the way to making you <laughs> a good defense, but that's a start. I feel like because yeah. uh, they're they just were not on the same page in any way, shape, or form defensively this past year. Guys were doing, you know, they were asking guys to do things that they clearly were not capable of accomplishing, uh, and it just kept happening over and over again. So, um, uh, make it make sense, Aaron Glenn. That's all you got to do. (laughs) Yeah, just make it make bring, you know, like, and that's it. You know, we've talked about like you gotta, you've got to get faster in the middle. You've got to get stronger up front, and you know, over time, you're gonna have to, you know, as best you can find guys who can cover. But really, you got to put your guys in positions that they're capable of executing or at least hanging on. Like, cause that's football. Now you got to hang on. You just, you don't, nobody's asking you to dominate every position. I feel like Patricia got so far down that rabbit hole of like, we want to be perfect and everything else. No way, man. Defense in 2021. It's about hanging on. You just yeah. got to be out there to hang in the fight long enough to give your offense one more possession at the end. That's NFL football, like 80% of the time. And I know that the whole thing about, a lot of games are blown because of bad mistakes and everything else. We heard all that three years ago, and then we watched that happen for three years. So now it's got to be about just let your best players be your best players and have everybody else hang on and fight in the same direction, and you might accidentally be okay when the whole thing's over. You said it at the top, Chris, and it's a 1,000% true. This game is not as complicated as people as people like to make it. It's just not. Uh, it's only as complicated as you want it to be. And I think at the end of the day, the Lions, at least in that situation, seem to have some guys that understand that um, and also appreciate, you know, that it is very difficult and there's obviously a lot that goes into it. But you can make things, you can make life easier on yourself if you just step back and allow it to happen. And I think that if nothing else, they seem to be in position to maybe make that happen a little bit a little bit better as they go forward. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just say my last point. I, there's a long, long way from, you know, Dan Campbell rightfully pointed out that the Packers are the class of this division. That's the team you're trying to chase. You want to do what they have been doing for the last however many years it's been, you know, where they just could adjust their personnel and keep, keep just winning games. And they're still playing this year. That's the team you're trying to become in the NFC North. There's a long way from where the lions are now to where the Packers are. 
there's not that far from the bottom of the NFL to nine and seven, like exactly. you said. You know, that is not a huge gap. The league's designed to help you erase that gap yep. in a year, yep. maybe two at the most. Uh, and again, you don't want that to be the end goal. Dan Campbell said the, that's not. You won't, he said, we want to be winning division championships every year. We want to go beyond that. But sure. to go from where they have been to like just respectability is doable in a year uh, if it clicks. But a lot of question marks, obviously, between <laughs> now and then. Yeah. So I guess we'll see how it goes. I thought it was cool to see. I mean, skepticism today is fair from everybody, but I thought it was cool to see people excited about the Lions again today. I mean, that was neat. And there was a lot of people that have been, like we said at the top, I mean, we saw from people on Twitter and everything else, people, if nothing else, it was like, well, that's interesting, right? And I think that that's, that's kind of neat. And, and you know, we'll see if that lasts, I guess. But for right now, it seemed like it was a needed jolt. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll see if it can carry over. And selfishly for us, too, probably. Yeah, yeah <laughs> to probably so. Like, yeah. it was nice to hear someone yep. answer questions. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's January 21st. Um, it's easy to feel good about things on January mm-hmm. 21st. But, uh, yeah, as you said, it's been a long three years for it Lions has. fans and for Lions players. And so uh, it, it's not the worst thing in the world if people just uh, allow themselves to be excited here. Mm-hmm. a little bit and totally see agree. where it goes so um i don't we don't have a necessarily a set schedule here uh moving forward we were kind of waiting out the gm hire and the coaching hire before we hopped on for new episodes but we'll uh be coming to you pretty regularly i would yep. assume we'll get in here after the senior bowl is over sure uh, and just sort of go through that and then you know it's on to the the com whatever the combines yeah right the combine the, uh, this year but whatever combine. whatever things are going to look like in february uh, right. it all starts coming pretty fast and furious with the senior bowl starts Tuesday practice so uh, we're kind of rolling right into this and we'll uh, make sure to keep you uh, aware of when we're coming with new episodes but again go uh, subscribe and rate and uh, review us and that's you know if you you subscribe you'll get the heads up when we go live again so uh, just want to say thanks one more time to everyone who's uh, listened thanks for your patience over these last uh, few weeks as we tried to find some spots to record and uh, we'll talk to you again soon 